Thank you for listening to the Continuing in the Old Paths podcast. Join Evangelist Troy Tucker as we look in the Word of God and continue the message that we started last week. Let's get back to what works. Let's get back to what works. You'll find the text in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And when the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house, And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. We started last week preaching on this thought, Let's get back to what works. And we noted in our introduction to the message that fire in the Bible usually pictures either the wrath of God or the work of the Holy Ghost. And here it represents the work of the Holy Ghost. And as such, there are four things about God that fire represents. We looked at the fact that it represents the presence of God. It represents the purpose of God. It represents the purity of God. And it represents the power of God of God. And oh, how we need God's presence, purpose, purity, and power in our lives. We need the fire of God in our churches, in our homes, in our families, and in our own individual lives. The entire basis for this message is predicated on the fact that what God did in the Old Testament and what God did in the New Testament and what God has done all throughout Baptist history He can still do. The fire of God can still fall from heaven. What worked then can still work today. We've had enough trying new things and new methods and found out that they don't work, they don't last, they're shallow, and they're resulting in uh, cold, calloused, and carnal lives in the lives of people who claim to be God's children. But in order to see the fire of God fall from heaven, we've got to get back to what does work. And I believe that our text here in these first three verses of Second Chronicles gives us some principles that we need to get back to in our individual lives, in our families, in our homes, and in our churches, and all across our nation. We need a mighty moving of God in this day and in this hour We need it like never before. And last week we started uh, by looking at this thought. We need to get back to requesting the spark. And we took a look back at chapter 6 and noted some elements about Solomon's prayer that, that helped the fire of God to fall from heaven. We noted that it was a heavenward prayer. It was a holy prayer. It was an honest prayer. 
and it was a heard prayer. Every revival in church history has started with prayer. And maybe the reason that we haven't seen revival is because we are not requesting the spark. We've got to get back to what works. In this message this week, we're going to, Lord willing, finish this message on Let's Get Back to What Works. We're going to look at verses 2 and 3, and we're going to find the other three principles that we've got to get back to in order for the fire of God to fall from heaven. I want you to notice, first of all, in the end of verse 1, uh, actually I said verses 2 and 3, but uh, this is still in verse 1. The Bible says, the fire came down from heaven, and notice it now, and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So not only do we need to get back to requesting the spark, but number two, we need to get back to rendering the sacrifice. Rendering the sacrifice. We noted last week that the first thing the fire of God was connected to was prayer because the Bible said now when Solomon had made an end of praying, but the very second thing that the fire of God is connected to is sacrifice. The Bible says that the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. There are four cross-references with verse number one to fire coming down from heaven. They are found in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, Judges chapter 6, verse 21, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, and 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 26. Each time that the fire fell from heaven, a sacrifice was involved. And I am glad tonight that the sacrifice that I'm not that I'm talking about is not a physical sacrifice. We don't have to build a physical offer, a physical altar, and offer a physical burnt offering of a lamb or a ram or a turtle dove or anything like that, like they did in the Old Testament. Jesus was the fulfillment of those Old Testament sacrifices. He was the perfect Lamb of God, the Lamb of God without blemish, slain before the foundation of the world. And he made an end to those sacrifices, and that took care of salvation. However, we as children of God, we need to make sacrifices in our lives. We know that God wants our tithe, he wants our time, and he wants our talents. The Holy, Holy Ghost revival comes from sacrifice. It comes with sacrifice. Sacrificing goes above what is required. And I wonder, when was the last time serving God cost you something? My friend, the days of comfortable Christianity, especially in America, are over. We are living in the last days. Jesus is about to come. And the Bible says in that same chapter in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we in America have really been sheltered uh, in terms of persecution. Um, but I believe those days are quickly coming to an end, and we're about to find out who really is willing to pay the price, who is really willing to sacrifice to live for God and to make a stand for God and to share the gospel. If we want to see the fire come from heaven, 
If we want to see revival in our lives and in the lives of our family and in the lives of our church families and in our nation, in our communities, we've got to get back to rendering the sacrifice. And as I think about sacrificing, sacrificing, first of all, is not comfortable. Sacrificing is not comfortable. The Bible says in Amos chapter 6, verse 1, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. And I believe that one thing that has plagued Christianity in the last century particularly has been comfortable Christianity. And we've gotten used to just, quote-unquote, living the American dream and not really stepping outside of our comfort zones. But oh, how we need to step out of our comfort zones and to do something for God. When we stay in our comfort zone, we won't get much done for God. It's when we step out of the comfort zone that we can really start getting some things done. Sacrificing is not comfortable. But sacrificing also is not convenient. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the Bible says, And he said unto them all, this is Jesus speaking, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That is describing sacrificing, denying ourselves taking up our cross daily. It's not convenient to pick up a cross and to die to self. It's not convenient to deny ourselves and to put Jesus first and others second and ourselves last. It's not convenient to serve God and to live for God. Serving God and living for God will cost us something. True disciples carry crosses. The devil loves to get us stuck on our four and no more. He loves to get us stuck on our routine and our 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 daily lives and and he loves to get us stuck on just things that are convenient. But oh, if we've learned anything in 2020 and here in the beginning of 2021, I believe that we're starting to to realize that Christianity is not about convenience. It's about sacrifice. And we realize that sacrificing is not comfortable. It's not convenient. Thirdly, it's not commended by the world. Sacrificing is not commended by the world. In other words, it is not popular. The world is going to think we are nuts. Why in the world do you still go to church in the midst of a pandemic? Why in the world do you still live for God? Why in the world do you still read the Bible? Why still pray? The world thinks we're nuts. It's not popular to live for God, but it's still right to live for God. And not even, not only the world thinks we're nuts, but even quote-unquote average Christians won't understand sacrificing Christians. And we need to realize that when we serve God, it's not about being commended by the world. We're not doing it to be popular. We're not doing it to seek fame. We're not seeking a name for ourselves. We're seeking to promote the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
So we've got to get back to rendering the sacrifice. Sacrificing is not comfortable. It's not convenient. It's not commended by the world. But let me tell you what sacrificing is. Sacrificing is compensated by God. Sacrificing is compensated by God. I'm going to read a verse of scripture out of Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter number 19 and verse number 29. The Bible says, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. And oh, I'm reminded of what God told Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15. God told Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Even though that sacrificing is not commended by the world, it is compensated by God. And God will repay what you sacrifice either in this life or in heaven. And it pays to serve God. The devil will lie to you. He'll try to tell you that it, it doesn't pay to serve God. He'll, the devil will try to get you to look at how much it costs to serve God. Oh, but God wants you to be reminded tonight that it pays to serve God. God blesses faithfulness. God honors faithfulness. So let's get back to not only requesting the spark and getting a hold of God in prayer, but let's get back to rendering the sacrifice. Well, let's look at our text again, and we'll find the third thing that we need to get back to. Let's get back to what works, what sends the fire of God from heaven. Notice verse 2, the Bible says, And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Number three, we need to get back to reverencing the sovereign. Reverencing the sovereign. The Bible says that the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. We need to get back to having a holy fear of God again. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 and 13 states, And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord, and his statutes, which I command thee this day, for thy good. Oh, how we need to get back to what works. We need to get back to fearing God. And may I say, first of all, that fearing God will affect our attitude towards God. It will affect our attitude towards God. If we truly fear God, we will recognize his position and respect his position. If we fear God, then we'll realize he's not just the man upstairs, but he is holy. He is high. He is almighty. We will see him as he is, and we will see ourselves as we are. We'll be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. We'll realize as Isaiah did, he saw the Lord and then he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. We'll realize he is holy, I am unholy. He is powerful, I am weak. He is everything, 
I'm nothing. Oh, what is your attitude towards God tonight? Do you have a fear of God? Are you reverencing the sovereign? In this day and age in which we live, we're living in a culture that does not fear God. We're living in a culture that does not respect God. We're living in a culture that spits on the name of God. And my friends, as I said earlier, living for God is not popular, but it does not change the fact that it's still right. And we're not going to be in the majority crowd. We're, we're in the minority. But praise God, it doesn't matter about that because God makes up the difference. Praise God, because if we're saved, born again by the grace of God, we're all on the winning side. And so I'm thankful tonight that he is holy. What is your attitude tonight towards God? Is he just a crutch that you lean on? Or do you realize that you absolutely need him? Oh, how I need him. There's a song that we sing quite a bit that says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Oh, how true that is. I need to hold on to the hand of God, and I'm glad he never lets go of me. What is your attitude towards God? Fearing God not only affects our attitude towards God, but it affects our actions before God. It affects our actions before God. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. If we fear God, it will affect how we live our daily lives. Does your life in public and in private evidence that you fear God? Does your life in public and in private evidence that you fear God? He sees everything we do, good and bad. He sees every place we go. He sees that he hears every conversation that we have. He knows every thought that we think. He knows the wickedness of our hearts. He knows the He knows everything about us. We can't we can hide nothing from him. So do we live our lives in such a way that we recognize that fact? When we fear God, it will affect our actions. It will affect what we do. It will affect how we live. It will affect what we read. It will affect what we see. It will affect what we listen to. It will affect what we talk about. It will affect every aspect of our lives. Do we fear God? We need to reverence the sovereign. Here in 2020 and 2021, there is a fear of coronavirus. There is a fear of a disease. Oh, but my friend, we need to fear God much more than we fear the coronavirus. And I believe that there's too many that claim the name of Christ that are more afraid of a disease than they are of deity. We need to get back to fearing God. Tomorrow, I'm recording this on Saturday. Tomorrow's the Lord's Day. Oh, are we going to fear God and show up to the house of God? Hey, we need to reverence the sovereign. Let's get back to what works. What does work, Brother Troy? Requesting the spark, verse 1. Rendering the sacrifice, verse 1. 
reverencing the sovereign, verse 2. Oh, but lastly, we need to get back to rejoicing in the Savior. Rejoicing in the Savior. Let's get back to what works. Rejoicing in the Savior still works. Verse 3, And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Rejoicing and praising God still works, my friend. Praise puts the focus on God. And as we look at verse 3, we find there are at least two reasons given in our text to praise God. First of all, we can praise God for who he is. We can rejoice in the Savior for who he is. The Bible says they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good. Hallelujah. God is good. He is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. I am thankful for who he is. I am thankful that he is the creator of all things. I am thankful that he is the sustainer of all things. I am thankful that he is the Savior. I am thankful that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am thankful that he is I am that I am. I am thankful that he is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the first and the last. He is that which is and which was and which is to come, the Lord Almighty. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the Bread of Life. He is the Lily of the Valley. He is the True Vine. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the Chief Shepherd. He is my Shepherd. He is the Door. He is the Resurrection and the Life. He is hallelujah, the dearest friend I ever had. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, the Bible says. Oh, I'm thankful that he is my Lord. He is my master. He is my redeemer. He is the self-existent one, the one who is God all by himself. I am glad he is Jehovah. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my banner. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. He is omnipresent everywhere. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He is immutable, unchanging. He is holy. He is compassionate. He is forgiving. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is long-suffering. Hallelujah, he is all this and so much more. In the midst of everything that is going on, I believe that we can take a time out and just rejoice in the Savior and praise God for who he is. If we want to see the fire of God fall from heaven, hey, let's worship. Let's praise God for who he is. Oh, but then the second reason I see is because not only of who God is, but because of what God has done. What God has done, the Bible says at the end of verse 3, for his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Oh, I'm thankful for the mercy of God, which withholds from me what I deserve. I deserve to be in hell with my back broke. I deserve to be under the condemnation of God. I deserve 
to be under the wrath of God. Oh, but his mercy endureth forever and withholds from me the wrath of God. It withholds from me the punishment of God. It withholds from me the condemnation of God. And as I look back in my life, I'm 33 years old, and I think about what all God has done in my life. There is much that I can praise God for. Oh, hallelujah. Let's praise God. Let's rejoice in the Savior. The Bible says that when the fire came down, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, my friend, how we need to get back to what works. We don't need we don't need to, to follow the trends of the contemporary movement. We don't need to follow the trends of carnality, the trends of worldliness and wickedness. Oh, but my friend, we need to get back to what works. We need to get back to requesting the spark. We need to get back to rendering the sacrifice. We need to get back to reverencing the sovereign and rejoicing in the Savior. We need the fire of God to fall from heaven. And when the fire falls... There will be revival of the saints. The saints of God will get revived. The revival is primarily for the children of God because revival is a restoring to life. But when there's a revival of the saints, then there will be redemption of the sinners because as the saints of God get right with God, they're able to be filled with the power of God and when they're filled with the power of God, they'll be able to reach out to sinners and to lead folks to Christ. Oh, how I love how God works. When the fire falls, there will also be a refreshing of the servants. Oh, how refreshing it is for the wind of the Holy Ghost to blow and to know that God is moving and that God is working and that God is still doing things. I want to ask you as we close, are you determined to have the fire of God? Are you desperate for the fire of God? And will you decide to get back to what works? I want to thank you for listening to the Continuing in the Old Paths podcast. And I hope you'll tune in for the next episode when we'll continue to look at the Word of God and just have old-fashioned preaching that exalts the Savior, edifies the saint, evangelizes the sinner, and expounds the Scriptures. Until next time, God bless you.